Welcome back from the desk of low. I have with me somebody who I've been follow, following since Heard Politics 4. He's coming off a fire new album. I have with me on the phone, Term, Termology. What up, my G? How you doing, sir? Everything good, man. Man, I see you on the grind lately, Alpha. Bad decision. You got the socks and everything. Yeah, we got the socks. We got the vinyl, the CD. Uh, you can get it on Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, all that good stuff. Oh, I got that downloaded on Tidal, sir. That shit's fire. Black China and the joint with Smith & Wesson. All right, so Thank you, man. Hey, um, so is that really your 35th project? Yeah, it is, man. Uh, you know, if you go on Wikipedia, you could, uh, you can do the knowledge and check them all out. You know, there's seven volumes of Hood Politics. There's four 1982 projects. Uh, there's two Goya projects. We have five fifty bodies projects, um, more politics, politics as usual, shut up and rap, um, physiology, you know, there's just too many to name, but uh they're all out there, man. You can find them you know, most of them you can stream on Apple Music and stuff, and if you don't uh find it there you can go to terminologymusic.com and get the C D or the vinyl. So after like thirty five projects, like what inspired you to keep your foot on the pedal, sir? I just love rap, man. I love hip-hop. You know, I probably got enough music to drop 10 more albums right now, but I'm so picky that uh, I just take my time and I try to be more conceptual these days, you know? And, uh, yeah, I just, I just love rhyming, man. Because you're a real rapper as opposed to just throwing singles out here and there. Yeah, pretty much. So, you come from an era when you had to, like, push up tapes and vinyl, I seen in one of your interviews, and I'm just wondering, like, do you still have any of your old, like, tapes and vinyls that you had when you were coming up as a kid, like, 14 or 15? I got everything, man. I'm a, I'm a, mu I'm a music historian. I study battle rap for a living. <laughs> so, when, um, so, when you study, like, everything, like, do you go back and listen to, like, your old, like, tapes and vinyl from when you were a kid and be like, damn, I was that nice as a kid, but you only get better with time? Um, yeah, no, you know, I try not to live in the past too much, but I, I do like to reminisce, you know, so, you know, I, uh, I, on, thrill, on Throwback Thursdays, I'll bring up one of my own out, my older albums and stuff like that and show people my process. So, when you were growing up, like, w did you have, like, a lot of the DJ Clue tapes coming up? Yeah, I had all the Clue tapes, all the Tony Touch tapes, I had, uh, you know, Green Lantern, all that dope shit, all that real hip-hop shit, I was... I was copping all the bootlegs. See, see, I was just a kid when I was that, right? Because, like, I always, like, I always tried to listen to, like, old DJ Clue tapes from, like, 1995, 1996. And, like, I can only imagine how hard they were to get back then. Because it was the 90s. Yeah, I mean, you know, you had to go to the spots that sold them. You know what I'm saying? Uh, for us, we had a spot in my hood in Lawrence that they would go to New York and buy the tapes and bring them down. You know what I'm saying? Uh, there was a spot called Hook It Up, and then there was another spot in um, there was another spot uh, in Boston that we used to go to that sold tape. So, you know, you could buy the real tape with the dope cover, and then sometimes you the only way you could get it was the bootleg. So you would just get the bootleg. You know, there was no streaming, there was no YouTube. You literally had to actually get the tape if you wanted to hear the music. So, for someone who has 35 projects and countless features, like, how do you pick the songs you want to do when you go on tour? Because I see you're always doing shows. Yeah, I got a show tonight. I'm actually, uh, I'm headed up to Rochester, New York, which is close to Canada. You're from Canada, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so I'm in Rochester, New York tonight. 
I'm driving over there now. I guess I'm going to be over there in about six hours. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, I like to tour the, uh, I like to perform the singles off the albums. And, um, you know, I like to do the joints that are, like, easy to perform. Uh, you know, some of my records are, like, 100 bars, so I can't go out there and yeah. do, like, 100 jewels or 100 more jewels or circulate. That would just be too much, you know. It would be too much, you know what I'm saying? But uh, I like to do the records that people remember and the, and the records that people request. Can, can you remember, like, the longest show that you ever done? I think the longest show we ever did was about two and a half hours because uh, we had a group at one time on tour called EFT, which was Eastern Standard Time, and it was myself, Rex, Acrobatic, and Ed OG. And what we would do is uh, we, I would come out, you know, then Rex would come out, then Ed OG, then Acrobatic. And we would do like 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, and just keep circulating, you know, around until it was around like two hours, two and a half hours. So that, that was pretty much like the longest shows I've ever done. Okay. Yeah, because I was going to say, you have a, like an impressive discography. Like, you have an album with little fame. Yeah, man, that's, it still bugs me out to this day, man. I'm such a big MOP fan. So, like, when you, like, when that all came about and you all, and, like, you actually had, like, the final product, like, ready, like, to upload on um, iTunes, like, what was that feeling like? Are you, are you speaking of uh, physiology? Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, for me, that was, you know, that was one of my biggest, um, the process was one of the longest and, um, you know, hardest things to make work because, Fame is a totally different artist than I am. You know what I mean? So I might pick a certain type of beat and he's not with that or he pick a beat and I'm not with it, you know, so and then he's always on tour, I'm always on tour, he lives in a different state than me. So, you know, it kinda took us a few years to put it together. Um, but you know, it was all worth it at the end. So it was just a really big joy for me when it was done. So and like and like another one of your things too with Little Fame too because that's MOP for the people who don't know out there but you know but you should know MOP if you're listening to this podcast. Um, so when you're done with like MOP and anything like that, like does that give you more motivations to do like more joint albums with the people that you grew up listening to? Yeah, I just always try to work with people that I grew up listening to. Um, I was fortunate enough to move to New York, you know what I'm saying? And I lived in New York for seven years, so I made a lot of friends in New York, and a lot of the friends that I made just happened to be rap legends. You know, you bump you bump uh, heads with the same people, you're in the same club, you're on the same shows, uh, you know the same people. So, you know, rest in peace to Sean Price was a good friend of mine. Rest in peace to Prodigy. He was a friend of mine, collaborated a few times. Rest in peace to Mac Miller. You know, I was the first thing to feature Mac had when he wasn't even known yet. So, you know, people like that, it's like they're immortalized, you know what I'm saying, because of their stature and how dope they are. But they were actually my friends, you know what I'm saying, um, outside of rap. So, you know, I've I just been blessed to work with a lot of dope people. Yeah, because you like because you worked with legends that are no longer here and their music will always live on. And there's like... um. Does that kind of, like, bug you out sometimes when you see, like, a bunch of the younger kids, like, born in my era, like, in 91, disrespecting the older legends? Because I have no idea when the hell that shit became cool. Yeah, that shit is whack, you know. I'm not, I'm not, I try not to, to engage in negativity, you know what I'm saying? Anybody that brings any negative energy around me, I'm pushing that away. Yeah, because you always have to keep positive, always to keep moving forward in life. 
Yeah, man, I, there's no room for negativity, bro. I'm 36 years old. I'm a grown-ass man. I ain't playing no games with nobody. Exactly. See me, I'm a little younger than you, so, uh, you know, I'm out here just trying to make a decent living for myself. I swear I was born in the wrong era, though. That's all cool, man. I know a lot of people that were born in the 90s, and they're dope, and they're cool. You know what I'm saying? Mac was born in 92, so, you know, Mac was right around your age. Yes, sir. So, like, how did you guys meet with Mac, like, Mac and everything? So, Mac uh, went up to Static's radio show. It was the first time he ever was on the radio in his life. And he um, went up there and killed it. So, after he killed it, uh, Static invited him to the studio. And um, when he invited him to the studio, he called me and he was like, Hey, Tarma, I got this kid coming up uh, to my studio tomorrow. His name's Mac Miller. You should come by and do a couple tracks with him because he's really dope and he's going to blow up. And this was when nobody had ever heard of him yet. So I said, all right, cool, no problem. I got in my car, drove, you know, from Boston to uh, to New York. I sat in the lab with Mac, and um, he was only 18 at the time. And we uh, we banged out two records. We did Paid in Full, and uh, we dropped it that night. And then we dropped 8292 as the bonus track to uh, our first album, 1982. So, like... When you first heard him, like, what was your, like, thinking, like, this kid's going to be big? Nah, man. I didn't look at him like that. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't like, oh, he's going to be major. You know, we, everybody in the room had no clue what he was going to be. We just knew that he was talented and he could rap and he was cool. And he was a young dude, so we wanted to embrace him because he was so hip-hop. And, um, so, you know, that, that ended up making me defend him for his entire life, even till after he's dead. I've heard people try to bash his skills and try to diss him because he went pop, but sometimes you go pop, pop just means popular. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't mean that he tried to sell out. He just, his girlfriend has 100 million followers on 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 Instagram. You know what I'm saying? She was a major TV star. So it's like, things like that, man. You know, he was a star within his own right and his girl was a star. So people will try to diss you when you're big. Like, oh, he's not underground anymore. He's not hip hop. Or, you know, they try to take away from you. But the fact is, before he was any of that, he was just a dope rapper, and that's why we liked him. And, like, you guys always kept a dope relationship even after he was dating Ariana Grande. Yeah, I just spoke to him, like, a couple months before he died. Um, I had put up a video of this Ghostface, uh, I did a beat for Ghostface Killer, and I put up the video, and I said, um, this is a beat I produced for Ghostface. And when I put it up, I, um, I was, like, my vid, I was putting up a video in the studio, and he, um, he DM'd me, uh, on Instagram, and he said, yo, that's dope, man. And I said, thanks, bro. I hope I was well. And that was the last time I talked to him. And it sucks that all the good people die young. Yeah, I wish I would have said something else. I wish I would have been like, hey, where you at, man? I'm going to come see you right now. You know, but obviously I didn't know he was going to die, you know? But see, like, that's the thing, sir. Like, you always have those memories with him, like, before he got, before he was anyone. And that those memories are priceless. Yeah, definitely, man. So, like, for someone, like, you know, like, because music's always evolving, too. Do you think the magazine industry still has the impact like they did back then? Because I remember I found you in the Double XL wearing the Primo shirt with, like, the Wendy's logo. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, man, I mean, that was a cool era. Like, we used to pride ourselves in being in magazines and companies used to spend you know, millions of dollars on advertisement and that in that fashion before because uh, where you got your information was from a physical standpoint. You had to go to, to a store and buy it. And now you don't have to. You wake up in the morning and everything you want to see is right on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook or any blog that you favor. So now it's like you don't need to go buy it and people printing up magazines that take forever. 
you to get information. It's just, it, it got outdated, man. So now, you know, that was a cool era, though. I, You know, I was in about 50 stores in XXL magazines and about 100 other different random ones. So me just being in all those magazines, it gave me a lot of fame. It helped me get a lot of tours and, you know, X, Y, Z, man. So I, I, I'm happy I lived through that era because these kids now, as dope as they are, some of them, they're never going to be able to say that they were in print. They just, they only live online. It's like a, not a fantasy, but it's like you live in a digital world. Like my, my world is like paper. It, it, it's physical. You can hold it. Yeah. Like, do you remember Scratch Magazine? Yeah, I was all up in the Scratch Magazine. Yeah, I, sir, I see, remember seeing your mixtapes up in there. Right, exactly. That's where the whole verse, the verse, the first verse from So Amazing, my song with Primo, one of my biggest songs that the kid starts with Scratch Magazine said the flow was untimely. Then they asked why I had an Eminem sign me. But I was kind of like, they, they shouted me out, said my flow was fire, and they said, you know, we hope Eminem signs this kid. So that was kind of like, you know, that's why I based that verse off of that. So, like, and that's, and that's fun. Do you still, like, that's funny how you said, like, these kids will never live in the era because I came from that era and I remember buying the sources and the double XLs and the scratch. Like, do you remember, like, do you think the source migrating would still matter if the source was as big as it was back then? Uh, I don't know, man. It's, it, it, there was, like, before, I guess, like, before, like, people looked to one certain source. Like you, like, you be like, okay, if you get five mics, you got a classic. Otherwise, you don't. Yeah. And it's like, now that shit is out the window. Now, you know, any person who is on the radio or has Instagram or a podcast or anything can just be like, yo, terminology sucks, and that's it. And then some other person could be like, terminology's the greatest rapper of all time, that's it. And their opinion lives, you know what I'm saying? Because everybody got an opinion. Well, before, it was like, we had certain people that were qualified for those positions, like Elliot Wilson and other people of that nature, and now it's just, everybody's a critic now, you know? Yeah, and but like, see, like, nobody wants to admit that they're a critic, like, most people want to admit, like, most people won't admit that they're a fan of the actual music, and they'll be called a groupie, but, you know, there's no shame of being a fan of something. Absolutely, man, I'm a big fan, I still buy CDs, I bought Drake album, I bought uh, J. Cole album, I bought, um... I bought Jay-Z and Beyonce album, you know, I bought all these CDs, I never even opened them, I'm just such a fan of music that I purchased them for my collection. And see, that's a good thing you never opened them, because CDs are going extinct now. Yeah, it's a fact, man. So, like, too, like, um, did you grow up playing any Grand Theft Autos? I'm sorry, what? Did you grow up, like, playing Grand Theft Auto? No, I didn't, um... I got introduced by Grand Theft Auto when I actually did a song for the uh, Grand Theft Auto 4. Yes, that sir, the here in Liberty City, the, one of my favorite joints yeah. from you. <laughs> That's what's up, man. Yeah, so I really got introduced to it through that. Okay, so, like, when you got, like, exposed to, like, something like, like, they're putting, like, these kind of things in a video game, did that kind of, like, like, put you in, like, show you, like, wow, there's a whole different world out there with gamers? Yeah, I mean, I... I actually uh, really got to know about that when I um, I went to uh, the Rockstar Games and I played me me Sean Price Easy Money and uh, and my man Static. We went to Rockstar Games and we played against the fans. And then there was another time that me Saigon Miss Info and Sky Zoo went to Rockstar Games and we played against the fans. So those type of events kind of like taught me more about the gaming world because I I've never really had time to play video games. I'm always been just in the studio and grinding. 
I figured that because like you like every time I watch your interviews, you always talk about your crafts. I'm like, I bet you, and this is just my assumption. I was like, I bet you he does not have the time to play Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, I don't have time to do shit except rap. <laughs> And fucking travel, you know. The only thing I really make time for is to chill with my kids, and that's about it. But see, that's a good thing, though, man. Like that's what, I, like that's what I salute, man. You're a good dad, man. That's I gotta salute that. Yeah, for sure, man. Absolutely. So, like, with your dream collaborations, that because I believe you can speak things into existence. So I'm just wondering, like, who's some, who's a few people that you always want to work with? My biggest, uh, my biggest, like, uh, dream was to work with Dr. Dre. So that that still lives. Um, I, I would love to work with Jay Z. I'd love to work with Eminem. Those are some like the bigger ones that I've always kind of wanted to work with. You know, you d- you done a song of somebody in my top five. What's that? Uh you done a song of somebody in my top five, and I got to interview him too. He was my season finale guest for one. Uh, Ken Crooked. Oh, Ken Crooked. Yeah, he's dope. I love Crooked. I got mad songs with Crooked. Like uh, five, at least five of them. So, um, another thing, too, that's kind of funny how you say you got mad songs of Ken Crooked, too. Um, I see you do a lot of songs with Rex, and how did Meet and Rex come about? So, Rex is from the same city as me. We're both from Lawrence, and, um, you know, he's a little bit older than me, so he was doing his thing first. So, you know, I kind of looked up to Rex coming up, and he had a record out, he had vinyl out, he had a record deal when I was uh, a young and I didn't have no music out yet. So, um, you know, once he started doing his thing, then I just kind of, uh... Um, hold on one second. No worries. Okay, C- continue, sir. Yeah, y- yeah, what's up? About me and Rex. Yeah, man, so Rex, you know, he's been doing this thing for a long time. We're both from the same city, and he uh, he's a little bit older than me, so he had records out before me. He had vinyl out. He had a record deal when I was still in high school. Um, you know, so I looked up to him, and... Uh, my first official single called Street um, Heat with Easy Money. We featured Rex on our first single. You know what I mean? So we've been down with Rex for a long time, man. It's, it's going on 20 years now that uh, that we've been that, that we've been knowing Rex. And, um, you know, uh, Static was DJing for him at one time. He was signed to Static at one time. So he's just like family, man. You know what I'm saying? I knew the guy forever, and he's one of my favorite rappers. He's a great guy. Yeah, because um, Bishop Lamont actually put me on to Rex recently. No, that's what's up. Um, have you guys ever thought about doing a joint album together? Because you guys have a lot of joints together. Yeah, we talked about it a few times. Um, you know, right now we're both really busy building our own labels and our own stuff. You know what I mean? So, you know, now's just not the time. But you know, it's definitely in the air. Because your la- your label too, I would like to say it's ST. Does that stand for anything, or is it just ST? Now street, it stands for street, you know, like if whatever street, if you look at a street sign, it'll, you know, for instance, Broadway Street, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so keep it very hip-hop with that, because I kind of, because like I was yeah. like, ST Entertainment, because uh, um, your t- Project Time Machine, um, the song, It's Going Down, um, that's what I always hear, ST, and I was I was wondering what ST stands for, but I wanted to hear from the person's it's mouth who actually created it. Yeah, ST. You know who created it was my man Easy Money. So basically, we had a group when we first started called Street. And the acronym was Speaking Through Raw Epilogue, Ed and Term. And then when we added DJ Deadeye, uh, Clip, Hectic, um, Superstar Snug, Artisan, when we added the rest of the members to the group, 
we we named it FT the Squad, aka Street Squad. So terminology and Easy Money Squad. And then I opened my own label called FT Records. And then you know, then we so basically that's what the whole FT thing is about. Okay, so like, was this around the time where like, because I I seen in an old interview that you had a album with your boy called Ghetto Fame called Two of America's Most Wanted. Was this around like that time? Oh, it was way before that, but yeah, I did a whole album with Ghetto that never came out. It was called Two of America's Most Wanted, and the music exists. Um, he just ended up going to jail, and then um, when he got out of jail, he asked to be released from the label, so we let him go, and then he just wanted to do his own thing, so the music just never came out. But uh, we did do an album together, and that was what it was called. Have you ever thought about like uploading any of your old, unreleased albums or music to the streaming sites? Yeah, I think I'm... Uh, you know, I think I'm thinking about doing that. There's some there's some projects of mine that ain't on uh, that ain't available for stream. You know, like Hood Politics One, Hood Politics Two, uh, Three, couple other joints that you know just kind of uh, for some reason or another, you know, streaming wasn't out then, so we would have to go back in time and release them. But yeah, I've been thinking about doing it when I get a chance. Okay, because like too, because like like you have a lot of discography too on that. Like, do you think streaming helps the game, or do you think it kind of like downplays it? I mean, you can't do nothing about moving with the times. You know what I'm saying? Whatever everybody's doing, you got to do too. So, uh, you know, it's cool because somebody drop a song and you can instantly get it on your phone. You know, I like that part of it. I just wish that the streams paid more. You know, I feel like they're they're really jerking us with the the amount of money they're giving us. But at the same time, you know, you can't really change that. So you just got to use it to the best of your advantage. What do you think about artists packaging clothing with the album sales? Hey, whatever works, man. Hey, well, it's like what you said. You got to live in the times, too. Yeah, no doubt. So, like, um, I won't take a bunch of your time, so I, I just got a couple more questions for you, too. Um, if, if no one have ever heard of you, which you probably should have if you love hip-hop, what are your top three projects you would put somebody onto? If somebody never heard of me, uh, you know, I would tell them to listen to More Politics. You know, that's my personal favorite album. I think that's the, the one that represents me the most uh, right now. And my latest album, Bad Decisions. And um, and maybe maybe Goya or or, or nineteen eighty two. I was gonna say uh, Goya. I, that, that's one that's probably one of my favorites from you. Goya, yeah, I love Goya, man. Goya's a great album. We we worked really hard on that project. Did it, it? Um, you just had a an anniversary on that album recently, didn't you? Yeah, we did the, the five year anniversary was on my birthday, October eighth, which was last Monday. And, um, you know, in September 30th, which was the week before that, was the 10-year anniversary of Politics as Usual. So, you know, I've been having a lot of anniversaries now because we made so many projects back in the days that it seems like, the, you know, every month we're pop anniversaries are popping up. And does that still blow your mind? Like, you got, like, a five-year anniversary or, like, even, like, a 10-year anniversary album? Yeah, it kind of does, man. You know, there's a lot of artists that didn't have longevity. You know what I'm saying? There's artists that come out, they drop one song, you never hear them again. They drop one project, you never hear them again. So, for me to have 35 projects and, you know, three more in the stash, ready to go. You know, I plan on dropping another 1982 album with Static sometime this year. I got another album dropping next year, produced by Dane Grease, the whole album. And then I got a Terminology Makes Beats album, pretty much done. That's dropping next year, too. So, you know, with them, you know, before you know it, I'm going to blink and I'm going to have 50 albums out, you know? Did you, did you always make beats? 
Yeah, because I seen like you got you started your own podcast. I seen too. What was that, brother? I seen that you started your own podcast too. No, I didn't start my own podcast. Um, I just been a part of other people's podcasts. I don't. I don't have my own podcast. Oh, you don't. Oh, my bad. My bad. No, it's all good. I'm actually a co-host on a uh, uh, Sirius Satellite Radio, Shade Forty Five on Eminem Station. You can tune in every Thursday from seven to nine p.m. And uh, Static Selector, it's his show, and I'm the co-host, along with my man, Destroy. Really? I never knew that. Sorry to, I'm sorry to say that, but I, because I, 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 I don't have satellite radio, but I still have my Shady 45 magazine from back in the day. <laughs> That's what's up, bro. <laughs> so, um, I was just wondering, too, this is a question I ask all my artists, and it seems like you're a perfect guest to ask this question, too. Um, it's the last question I ask all my guests, too. Okay. Do you have any words for someone in a dark place trying to see the light? Yeah, just remember tomorrow's another day, man. You know, I deal with depression. I'm sure a lot of people do. You know, we all have real shitty days and fucked up times. You know, I, I ain't gonna lie. Like, yesterday I felt like shit. The day before I felt like shit. You know, sometimes you feel down. But just remember tomorrow's another day, man. And every day you, you wake up breathing is a blessing. So, you know what I'm saying? Just thank God you're alive. And, um... You know, try to look at other people that are in a worse position than you and realize that you're blessed. Yeah, I hope someone takes that and runs with it. Word up. Me too, man. Um, so with that episode from the Desk of Low, I'd like to well thank a real MC, because you know we're all about bars on this show. Um, I'd like to thank Termology for calling in for this show. And I'm very loyal to my guests, so um, be on the lookout for when I buy one of your albums, sir. All right, brother. Terminologymusic.com. All right, much love. Much love, sir. Have a good show tonight.